All right, welcome to Zero G, a history of forgotten phones. I'm Peter Rojas, partner at Betaworks Ventures, joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Christy Pitts from Backstage Capital. And we are doing the second episode of our, I think this is fair to call this a labor of love podcast. More Absolutely. Than <laughs> we, we may be the only, we, we may be the only audience for this podcast, um, potentially. Maybe it's okay. Not. I'm um, going to be it, happy to listen to these, these, um, episodes by myself they're almost like time capsules so so the the point of this uh this series this podcast is uh christy and i are both uh so we're not just venture capitalists uh we actually are old school phone nerds and super super phone nerds super phone nerds and so we uh are going to talk about some of the phones that history has forgotten now that everything is about android and iphone and sort of like a rectangular slab of glass and uh delve into some of the weirder phones that were out there, uh, some of the landmark phones. Yeah. These phones are, at one point in time, well, some of them we knew, I don't know, maybe this is not fair to say, but some of them we knew they would become kind of gimmicky. And some of them were heralded as the real deal back in the day. So uh, many of these phones had wide love and loyalty. People didn't want to switch away from them until they found something that, yeah, until they found iPhone or Android. Oh, and, and I think... Because going back, uh, I mean, I think we sort of started in 2003 and and now we're going to work up to 2005 in this episode. But when you go back 13, 15 years, the market for smartphones was so much smaller uh, and so much more passionate than they are today. I think we kind of take everything for granted. It's all going to work. Back then, you got a phone. You had to put up a lot of compromises first (laughs) with anything that you bought. Uh, Yeah. And so, um, and, and if anything, it made, I think that the sort of the affection that much deeper because you sort of embrace something for all of its, <laughs> for all of its flaws. Uh, yeah. Here's a good analogy. Um, w- around the same time that I first started working at Verizon, which was in 2005, I was also looking into buying my first car that was like my first car where I was going to buy it and pay my own money for it. And pay for the insurance and all of that stuff, right? Like I had had, I had been limping along on some kind of arrangement with my parents prior mm-hmm. to that. And I remember that I was really interested in this car, which was the Volkswagen Corrado. I don't know if you know no. about this, what, but what, any- what kind of, is that like a sedan or something or what, what was it? It was just like kind of sporty pre Jetta car. And I was really like, okay, I could find one for a decent price. So then I went on all these forums because I kept seeing flags about, the reliability. Yeah. And it will never forget that. I, so I posted in the forum. I'm like, hey, I'm looking at this car or another car. And people came out of the woodwork to tell me, like, if you buy the Corrado, you better be ready for uh, pain. And <laughs> they were basically like, it's a labor of love. If you have this car, you just have to welcome the time that you're going to be crashed on or like not crashed, but like uh, <laughs> hopefully not crashed. Um, stranded stranded on the side of the road and like be prepared have like extra belts in the back of the in your trunk for when your like belts fail and all this stuff and i was like okay this is definitely not the car for me but that's what it was like if you had a smartphone back in the day you had to be ready like you had to know when you left your house in the morning that it was there was a likelihood that your phone was not going to work in some form or fashion oh uh, but before you got home at the end of the day yeah and i think speaking of so Trio 650, this is a phone, the successor to the Trio 600, which we talked about last episode. Yep. This thing came out uh, sort of fall, late 2004, I want to say October, November. I can't remember very well. Uh, I, I remember covering it for Engadget, and I 
loved the Trio 600 and initially resisted upgrading to the 650. I, I think, well, first of all, back then, the idea that you were going to upgrade your phone every year was, I mean, that was not necessarily a thing. Um, people thought the phones were, the cycles would be maybe a little bit longer, actually. We had a program at Verizon called the New Every Two. Mm. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a hundred dollar credit if once you had reached your to your commitment, basically uh, towards a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. <laughs> but actually, I was looking at the Trio Six Fifty before, like, just looking up some of the original reviews before we got on today, and yeah. full retail price on the Six Fifty was five hundred and forty nine dollars. Yeah, and and I think you could get it almost free with the subs. The oh, not yeah, free, with but contact. you could get it. With contract, you could get uh, substantially off. And, and that was the thing that was confusing about phone pricing back then was that the the price you would sort of see advertised was always with con to your contract. Exactly. Right. But the thing is, like, even, I was just shocked to see that number because if you compare that to today, yeah. um, smartphones have increased in price tremendously. Yeah. And, and I think um, it, it seemed like they were going down for a while. And they're sort of this downward price pressure, and now they're just popping way back up. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so Trio 650, if people uh, have not looked it up yet. Uh, so this was another one of those sort of uh, – had the stubby antenna. It had a uh, – uh, I think it was a 320 by 320 pixel screen, which is not especially high resolution by today's standards, uh, <laughs> and a QWERTY keyboard underneath. And um, so kind of BlackBerry-esque, uh, ran, uh, since it was a, a Trio, ran Palm OS. And um, I believe it was Palm OS 5.4 is what it shipped with. And um, this was – the reason why I ended up buying this phone, um, upgrading from the Trio 600, was that it uh, solved one of the biggest complaints I had about the 600. And I can't remember if we talked about this last episode or not. But with the Trio 600, if the battery died, your phone was erased. That's correct. Yep. And, and, uh, and so – I had to carry a, a memory card with a backup of my phone on the uh, uh, to restore from on the Trio 600. As previously so, mentioned, if you were going to be carrying one of these phones, you were dedicated to the lifestyle. Oh yeah, and I mean, and it, it was. Uh, can you imagine having that be an issue with your phone today? Where like, oh yeah, if you just if you just are ten seconds too late or a second late to charge it, you lose everything. That's it. That's it. You got to back it up from your, you got to restore from your computer or from. There was no cloud. There was no, there was no nothing. It was, it was your memory card or that was it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was, it was tragic, but I will say, uh, the other big, uh, you know, reason for me to upgrade was that you did get a big bump in resolution from, uh, the 600. So you're going from mm -hmm. 160 by 160, the 320 by 320, which, I, look, we laugh, right? Because it's so absurd um, how high resolution the phones are today. But at the time, I mean, it was very, we were almost getting, I think, 4x the, the pixel density uh, going from uh, 160 to 160 to 320 by 320. And so uh, that alone was sort of, uh, I, I think that and not having to worry about my phone being erased every time I left the house uh, really pushed me over the edge. There's something else about the 650 that I thought about that we should talk about on the, on the show, which is um, if you Google the 650, if you don't remember off the top of your head what it looked like, if you weren't so into the into it as we were, <laughs> um, you'll see that the keyboard is like kind of distinctive. Yeah. So um, in kind of in the middle, so it has a QWERTY keyboard. So it has some like directional buttons yeah. and then beneath that it has a QWERTY keyboard. And then kind of to, to the left of center of the QWERTY keyboard, the color, the keys are different colors. Yeah. And the reason for that is because the keys also 
um, doubled as a 10 key for phone calls. Yes. Yes. I completely forgot about that. So I think the reason why that's really important is because back in the, in this day, like phone calls were still the primary reason why you would be carrying this device. Like people used it for access to email and for text messaging, but, but the way you measured value, I think still really depended on whether or not you felt like you could easily quickly make a, a reliable call. Yeah. And, and, and you had to, uh, because even though this thing had a touchscreen, it was a resistive touchscreen. I think, I think basically every phone we're going to talk about uh, with the touchscreen has a resistive touchscreen at this, you know, for, I mean, the iPhone is the first with a capacitive, but uh, so the purpose of this podcast, I think almost everything is going to have, uh, at least for the first few episodes is going to have resistive, but you had to take out a stylus and uh, if you're going to use the dialer and sort of tap. So I think that was their hack around that, which was kind of recognizing that mm -hmm. it, uh, it wasn't necessarily a good experience. The other thing is it did have that, uh, that four way, um, uh, um, you know, the pointer thing. Um, and so you could, uh, the, the directional pad. Right. And so you could, I actually remember, uh, I used to play Monopoly on the Trio 650 and I would just use the directional pad because it was better than getting out the stylus. Right. Right. The directional pad was kind of like a mouse and it was, it's kind of similar to mouse. Yeah. You, a stylus would be more like it because you could you could tap directly on the screen with what you wanted. But the directional pad was definitely a trend because I think there's going to be some other models that we talk about today that also had a similar four-way keypad with like a selection button in the middle. Yeah. So I think should we talk about your phone from around this time? My favorite phone. Oh. Yes, we can talk about it. <laughs> my heart is so warm right now, imagining this phone in my hands. <laughs> the LG VX9800, a name that... <laughs> LG really knows how to name their phones, right? A name that is not a name. <laughs> so, okay, so if you're listening, so if I think actually, was this phone called the V? Did they sell it? Or did, was the one after it called the V? I think it was the Hold one on. after, but this was the... Um, this was the I'm yeah because there was the V and then there was the Envy remember yes the Envy E N V that's right so they got slightly better okay so I think this one was called the V like but that really wasn't a name and the problem was LG also used VX for all of their model numbers and so it never caught on as the V but the it was just the VX ninety eight hundred everyone called it the ninety eight hundred so do you want to describe what this phone because this is sort of like a a weird slab of a phone. Yes. Okay. So um, picture it. I'm okay. By the way, this is like a total Golden Girls reference right now. If anybody out there <laughs> watches Golden Girls, when Sophia will go like, picture it, Sicily, 1943. I'm like, picture it, Santa Clara, 2005. <laughs> You're at the Mercado Shopping Center and you walk into the Verizon store and you see this huge display for Vcast TV, which we're. Oh, Vcast. We like, have to talk about it, Vcast in a second. Yes. That was like our video service yep. or whatever. Yeah. And then the V, the VX9800 was right in the middle of that display. And I wanted this phone so badly and I didn't have it. And at the time we had like this um, concession program for employees where you could like upgrade every so often. You could do training with the phones, but you couldn't like carry it. And I really <laughs> wanted to carry this phone. And so like, I worked out a deal with my manager. Like if I could hit certain sales numbers, then I could carry the store model like with yeah. me. So anyways, eventually I got the chance to carry the phone and it's got to be one of my top experiences ever on a phone for a few reasons. One is, okay. It was like a candy bar style yep. phone. So 
you know, it's like a, it didn't. It, well, it did flip, but it wasn't like it a was like a, like a flip. It didn't flip horizontally, vertically. It flipped horizontally, I guess. Exactly. Yes. And so on the top, you had your dial pad, so you could make a phone call. And similarly to what we were just talking about, the trio it had this like four way keypad that you Wait, could use. The thing about this phone is this phone has multiple, multiple directional key, like four way keypad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking at photos and I'm like, I, maybe they stuck a third one on there somewhere. Like I'm like they're sneaking in directional. <laughs> yes. And you could, okay. So then you could flip it up and sideways, like horizontally. And it was like kind of like a little TV screen, yeah. <laughs> like I had a little screen on the inside with stereo speakers on either side and then um, a QWERTY keyboard and then another multi-directional yeah. keypad. And it was not small. No, it was like, thick. Yes, and then I had an extended battery on mine, so when all was said and done, wait, I don't wait, know how no, many. so it added even yes. more bulk. <laughs> yes, and then I had like clipped to it like this kind of carabiner type dealio. So I always thought to myself, like I could use this phone for self defense if I needed to. <laughs> like, it's, the, it's literally the equivalent of a brick if I need to take care of something someday. Yeah, wow, that is that is just, I mean, that is just crazy. Um, I, I mean, I love how like when you flip it open. I, and I had this phone at one point. I mean, Verizon, I mean, I mean, you know, doing a gadget blog, you get to send a lot of stuff. Um, and, I mean, you didn't have to sell a certain volume of car chargers. No, no, no. I just, I, I, I don't know if I reviewed it, but I had it. I, I must've done a review at some point, but I had it. Uh, I did have this phone and um, I, I mean, it, I just remember the, the, it had the stereo speaker when you flip it open. First of all, the screen on the front, on the top, is like pretty small, but then the screen on the inside is yeah. not that much bigger. That's the kind of hilarious part. Right. It's like you you flip it open, thinking like if you just saw this phone today and you flip and you're like, oh, there's a screen inside, and you flipped it open, you would expect you're going to see this kind of wide, um, beautiful big screen, but it's not, it's not that much bigger on the inside. Peter, you're breaking my heart. Uh, <laughs> it was a beautiful. No, no. Oh, big oh, no, wait, actually, it's amazing. This phone, the the screen. Is, uh, <laughs> Uh, but but it does have stereo speakers. It does have stereo speakers. It, big stereo speakers. Yeah, the size of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> they actually are about the same size as the screen. You could put a memory card in. So the, yeah. this one supported music. And then actually, um, this also had the Get It Now store, which we talked about briefly on the last episode. And yes. so just like you were talking about playing Monopoly on the trio, I played um, Sonic the Hedgehog. The first Sonic from Sega. Oh, that's right. It was nine ninety nine in the Get It Now store, and I beat it on the ninety eight hundred. And like the, I don't know how old I was when I used to play Sega Genesis with my cousins, but like I was definitely felt validated and redeemed. Yeah, <laughs> I finally beat Sonic the Hedgehog on my phone. And so you mentioned Vcast earlier, and we should talk about Vcast because yeah. it was. What was the first phone? I'm, I'm going to test your knowledge here because actually I don't know the I can't remember the answer, but it was a flip phone. But it was the first. It's the LG VX9400. That was the first one which had uh, v, the VCast, which had. It was also, I think, the first eVDO phone, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. So there's a couple of things okay. we're talking here. There's VCast and then there's VCast TV. Yeah, right? okay. Okay. So, so walk okay. me through because I'm, I'm conflating the two now because it's been so long. It has been. Okay. So VCast was essentially like data. Like you could access the web yeah. and all these rich, rich um, being kind of a euphemism, but like rich applications like Sonic and all these other things. Yeah. And then there was also VCast TV, which uh, was okay. actual TV service. Like you could watch TV shows on your teeny little screen on your phone. Yeah. And that was the 9400, which was also an LG phone. Yeah. Uh, 
released it around the same time as this one. Okay. The funny thing about that one, we won't spend a lot of time on it, but it had one of those. Do you remember there was this trend during this time where um, the screens would flip open in this weird way? Yeah. So the 9400 had like a vertical screen and then you, you kind of pressed on it and it would flip horizontal and then you could watch TV. Okay. That, that I remember. But no, there's another one. Was it the 9100? Which was, there was one that had- 8100. 8100 that had EV. That was the first one that had EVDO. Yeah, that was the first LTE video phone in, and VCAS. Okay. Yep. And I remember that with that phone, where if you went if you went into the engineering settings, you could enable Bluetooth. Yes. Data pairing and use it as a Bluetooth as an EVDO modem, mm-hmm. which I I did, um, and I I was I was so proud of myself uh, for figuring that out. Uh, it was a it was a pretty neat hack because EVDO was. A huge upgrade in terms of data connectivity. Oh, it was it was it was massive. I mean, I couldn't have done so many things I did within Gadget um, without it. Um, okay, so Vcast. So this so so the ninety eight hundred did not have the Vcast TV because no, was, but it had Vcast, so it was an eVideo yeah. phone. Okay, and eVideo is three G. That's what it is. Yes, yes. Um, that that I I, rec- I recall it was such a big step up. Um, well, from one X RTT, which I, I, I want to make that joke. I think every episode. <laughs> That's right. Um, the alternate name for this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. there's so many ways we could go with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you are laughing at that, please get in touch because I want to. We should hang out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the Moto Rocker? Because this was another. Yes. WTF of, of history. Right. So, okay. So I think this is really important because we saw this with the, with these VCast phones and at the same time, the rocker, which was its ability to store music on your phone. Yep. It was a huge selling point. The, so the Moto rocker, the first one, the E one, this was, um, the big deal with this phone is it was the first iTunes compatible phone out there. So what it meant was it wasn't an iPod. It wasn't an iPod phone. It wasn't an iPhone. certainly wasn't an iPhone. Uh, so this <laughs> came out in uh, fall, fall 2005. And what uh, uh, you could do is it was the first phone that you could sync with, uh, you know, um, iTunes um, on your desktop and copy over music, but also copy over music that you paid for, which was a really big deal because of all the, uh, it's not, you know, there's, there isn't really DRM so much now on downloads, but at the time everything was DRM, just copy protected. And if you bought music from Apple, you can only play it on an iPod at the time. So That's this correct. was a, this yeah. was a big deal. There were uh, a couple things that were funny about this. Uh, one is that uh, for whatever reason, no matter how much storage you actually had on the phone, no matter how big of a micro SD card you had, you could only put a hundred songs on your phone. Uh, on the rocker. So the thing I'd heard is that they weren't, they were trying to not, I guess, cannibalize or screw up sales of the, um, the uh, shuffle maybe, or they kind of saw it as like being kind of comparable to that, that that was Mm -hmm. limited, but it was such a bizarre user hostile decision. Right. So why would you restrain people unnecessarily? Well, but also, I mean, uh, I'm not sure like what they're, I mean, if like, like if the idea like if you're saying if you're telling people um 
you still got to buy an iPod. Then it's like, well, why buy this crappy phone? <laughs> you know, like it's if I'm the point is to only have to carry around one device, right? And so, um, so, so I mean, clearly the the kind of the conspiracy theory here, uh, and the conspiracy, then the plot will thicken in a moment. As I'll explain, um, is that Apple was already working on the iPhone. Um, they had been, I mean, it took right. them a few years. They've been in development for a few years. Um, so they're already a couple years into development here. Uh, and, and so the the speculation is that they deliberately put out a crappy phone with Motorola, um, in, in, if anything, to sort of like better position the iPhone for when it did come out. But my favorite part of all of the about the rocker and its launch is that, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but Apple did an event. They got up on stage, you know, Steve Jobs got up on stage, announced the rocker, uh, with Motorola, it was like a big thing. But then what he did at the end is he pulled, he did the, there's one more thing, and he pulled the uh, iPod Nano out of his pocket. Yes, I remember. And Motorola, I have this from sources at Motorola, had no idea that he was going to do that. What? I mean. And they were pissed. <laughs> They were so pissed. For good reason. They should have been pissed. <laughs> but it's it's still that was like that that's the quintessential Steve Jobs story. Oh yeah. Like total <laughs> dick move. But also everybody wanted a nano after that and nobody wanted a rocker. And like with exactly. good reason, because that, that first nano was pretty cool. I mean it got scratched up like crazy, but it was pretty cool. Um so the rocker Man, I think I got the. I think I was the first person to review it, actually, and I I did not have a lot of nice things to say about it, uh, unfortunately. Um, didn't. No, but um, yeah. So that that was a phone that I think lost to history. They actually ended up putting out a few more rocker phones over the years. Uh, they did because this thing. The thing was, even though so we're talking two thousand five, right? So two thousand five, yeah. It's still two years before the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And this is when, so it's hard to think back in history, but if we think back, like if you were, if you used iTunes and you had bought all your music, it was really difficult. You, either you were carrying an, around an iPod and your flip phone, or you were trying to figure out some path in the middle where you could get your music onto your phone. And so there were ways to do it. Like with these other phones that we mentioned, you could also put music onto memory cards, but the DRM was so restrictive. Yep that a lot of times you couldn't actually, like you would go through, and it was all manual. It wasn't like how it is today where you can just like tap on Apple Music and listen to what you want to listen to. We're talking like a commitment of hours of being able to find your uh, files, get them into the right format, get them onto your card, get them into your phone, and then realize that they won't play. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it was a lot of frustration. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and you know one of the things that we I mean we haven't really talked about at the time was that the the way that people thought about this stuff uh, kind of positioned phones at the time was that uh, you're going to have you know you're going to have kind of smartphones which are going to be for people that are in uh, business people business people right and then you're going to have um, you know feature phones and feature phones are going to be really uh, focused right on. Um, what kind of one specific, uh, you know, you're going to have like a, a feature phone, which is really like a really great camera, or you're going to have a feature phone that's really great at music or, you know, like that kind of stuff. And yep. um, obviously that all kind of went out the, you know, went out the window uh, with, with, uh, with the, I certainly with the iPhone, but, but uh, just with smartphones in general. Um, but you can sort of see how um, from a, I think from a, a 
you know, like a, a phone maker standpoint, from the standpoint of Motorola at the time, it's like, hey, we're going to make, the, we're going to partner with Apple, we're going to make this phone, and people are going to buy it because it's going to be kind of the only show in town if you want to, you know, have a phone that works with your iTunes collection, right? Right. And um, right. it turns out to not be enough. Right. Also, we neglected to mention a couple minutes ago with Vcast, there was also Vcast Music. So with 3G, you could download an MP3 directly to your phone if you had an SD card in it, but you paid per track. So I think it was something like 99 cents for the discount songs and then like as much as 2.99 for a more current song. And then you, would, you could also buy an album. How much were the albums? Over your phone. 20 bucks, I think. But I think yeah, it wasn't cheap. Yeah, at one point, I think Vcast Music was like either was second in volumes for music sales after Apple. I might be, I might need to fact check that, but it was a pretty popular thing. And there was also this um, product called Ringback Tones. Do you remember this? Which was basically Wait, like that's when you call somebody, yeah, and and instead of like a dial, like a ringing tone, it would be like an MP3 or song that you would pick. Yes. Yeah. So there is a whole thing about music. On wow. Phones. I completely, I hadn't thought of, I've literally have not thought about that probably in 15 years. And you could assign like a ringback tone to different people. So at the yeah. time being a young um, person, I would like have a ringback tone for my boyfriend and like a ringback tone for my friends. And then like a very demure ringback tone for my parents like a different ringback tone. <laughs> it was kind of like so, the MySpace top eight. It was a very political thing. Yeah. <laughs> you could get really into it. I, I remember I tried that a little bit. And I, when I did it, I remember people would be very confused. Yes. Because uh, they're like, I'm calling you, but I'm getting this music and I don't know what's going on. Yep. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I don't know, you know, and you're like, it's a ringback tone. And they're like, a what? Yeah. Yeah, they have like no idea what's going on. Wasn't there like a really awful ad campaign for ringback tones? I'm trying to remember like a commercial or something <laughs> like that. I feel like maybe we got to find some of that. Yeah, we probably should link to some of those old commercials because they're pretty wow. cheesy. Uh, I can't believe I com and that is not a thing at all now. No, if any, it's, it's it's weird because like it kind of like if anything it'd be easier to implement now. Would it? Is it? Well, uh, but does but anybody use their phone anymore to make a phone call? Well, that's true. But you know what I'm saying? But it, like, it would be like, it's, it's kind of funny how it's like a thing that is just gone. Whereas, oh, yeah. um, I don't know. I, it's true. I mean, I, I, I try to avoid making phone calls, um, uh, to, you know, as much as possible. So yeah, Same. But you know, okay, so there's something else that we touched on just really briefly. So like in this whole spectrum that we had of all these, this landscape of phones that all of a sudden had memory cards and you could put music onto memory cards, depending on your level of dedication. Um, something else that the me memory cards enabled, which was new, was the ability to move your photos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So camera phones weren't that old. Like the idea of having a camera phone was relatively new. But now we have like – like I use Google Photos or there's um, – what is it? iPhoto? Photo, photos. I Apple, so Apple Photos. Yeah, Apple Photos. Yeah. But like at this time, if you had a memory card, you could store your photos and and your videos on some of these phones, yeah. which was like a pr pretty big leap forward. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, you still had kind of tricky. It's still tricky to get stuff off. Right. Um, that yes. was like one of the, 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 the more complicated things. I mean, you could either sync your phone with the desktop and use some really janky software to, mm -hmm. uh, to get the photos off. Or you had this, I think complicated software for sort of sharing. They didn't want to make it easy at all. No, 
It was hard. And you, you could also like text or like message the picture to yourself. Um, but then the issue was like, how would you download it? I mean, it was tricky. Yeah. This is also like, I don't know how, how, what are we talking here? This is pretty right around when Gmail first started getting adopted too. Yeah. So like, that's the other thing is there before Gmail, there were storage limits on email. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's, there was a whole thing that was happening and, atta- and, 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 and attachment limits on email. So there's a, right. uh, you, you couldn't necessarily, uh, do as much as, as, as you wanted there. So all of a sudden you could take your pictures. You could, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So one, another thing, I think we have like, like two or three more things to talk about, but, uh, I want to touch on something that actually technically is not a phone, but, uh, I owned, came out in, uh, of 2005, the Nokia 770, which was their first internet tablet. There, let me just run down what this was. So this was something Nokia, which we haven't talked a lot about, but was a very, very big player, uh, really out, more outside of the US than in the US. I mean, they never, I think Nokia never figured out how to uh, play ball with the carriers in the US, which were more powerful here than they mm-hmm. are in Europe. I mean, I don't think Verizon even carried a Nokia phone. I don't think Nokia even made CDMA made, made um, that many CDMA phones. We had just we had just like one model, and I remember customers would come in and say, "Do you have a no- Nokia mobile or something like that?" And we'd be like, "No, sorry." Yeah. <laughs> Are they visiting from Finland and want something? <laughs> Um, so uh, okay so this was a this was an internet appliance this is some of my favorite details about this this the nokia 770 770 announced at linux world summit uh which tells you about uh uh, how they were thinking about this so this ran memo or mimo i think it was memo uh i've always pronounced it memo Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. which was their uh kind of linux-based operating system for these internet tablets, which at the time everyone thought would sort of become, well, certainly people thought that this could be what, this had a shot at being what Android turned out to be, right? Which is a sort of open source, uh, more media centric uh, runtime for phones. And the 770, I mean, it was in some respects uh, pretty ahead of time. It had resistive touchscreen, so you still use a, a, a stylus, which is, you know, terrible, but it had apps. It had a it had a big web, it had a good web browser. Uh, it had an RSS reader. It had uh, an internet radio uh, player. You could read eBooks. You could, you know, mm-hmm. play video and stuff on it. I mean, it didn't support that many uh, different formats, but, um, you know, it, it kind of had a lot of the pieces of uh, the puzzle, so to speak, uh, that Apple got right with the iPhone. Uh, and, um, uh you know, Nokia could just never sort of put, never sort of arrange things in quite the right way uh, to to get things right. But um, it they were kind of they were getting there, and that was uh, uh, you know what I think a lot of us at the time, like if you maybe make a guess as to what you know what would be maybe like the biggest smartphone platform of like 2010 or something like that, I would have maybe guessed you know Memo, and that like Nokia would you know. Because certainly mm-hmm. uh, Symbian wasn't going to – nobody thought Symbian was going to get them there. And so um, – Right. Uh, but uh, they just got it wrong. You wouldn't have said BlackBerry. I, I wouldn't have said BlackBerry because I think BlackBerry didn't seem like a uh, an, an OS that was going to travel, so to speak, that like um, was going to be able to be kind of flexible enough for and be a good developer platform. Whereas Memo right. was – I mean, it had – it wasn't that hard to build uh, apps for – for it compared with certainly compared with what you had at the time. And, and it actually supported flash, right. 
which was sort of a mixed bag because the the 770 was so slow that um I mean, you almost, I mean, I, I remember trying to run something in Flash in a browser and just like, it just basically didn't work. Yeah, um, pretty much. But anyway, so the 770 had some successors, which we may or may not talk about in the future. Uh, but um, it was, a, uh, I, I, carry, I used to carry it around. It only had Wi-Fi. Um, so it didn't, uh, it didn't have wireless data, but I would carry it around. I remember going to um, traveling in Europe in 2006 and I carried this in a, um, uh, man, did I carry the motor? Did we talk about the Motorola MPX? I think I carried that phone with me. Uh, and yeah, um, I think we talked about yeah, that. We one. talked about that one. So I was, uh, but it was useful. I mean, there were t a lot of times when I could get on, find Wi-Fi when I was walking around a city and, and pop on and actually use the web, which was, was pretty cool. I remember logging to Gmail in the browser. Uh, using wow. It. Yeah. Uh, That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, okay. So speaking of BlackBerry, should we talk about the, I mean, BlackBerry didn't really come into its own in some respects. Like it was kind of a weird year, 2005 for BlackBerry, right? Right. Right. Totally. It was, it was before, like, if we say BlackBerry, most people think of like the Pearl or the Curve yep. probably, yep. but this was before that. There was, um, I mean, kind of the big phones at the time were the, the 8700, which was, I mean, this thing was a, a this was a phone that you could like throw across the room and it would still work. Um, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Can we talk about Brick Breaker? <laughs> oh yes. So that was that was a fun because that you had. I think you had to have this the little ball though, right? The scroll ball. Um, no, you could play it with the like. Remember, so this phone had the navigation on the right hand side. Oh, that's um, right. It had like that, like jog, I don't know jog wheel, was, right? Was that what they call it? Yes, like, yes, yes. A jog wheel. I'm like, I don't even know how to explain how to, <laughs> what this is. There's like a little wheel. You could you could scroll it up or down with your thumb, and then that was how you traveled through the apps yes, on the phone. I, so you would like choose which app, and then you could press in on the wheel to select. I I, I that I completely that I love I completely forgot about that again. <laughs> that was that's right, and um. Yeah, BlackBerry had its own like weird. It's like idiosyncrasies, like stuff that nobody else did, like that jog wheel on the side. I don't think anybody else did that. Yes. So you use the jog wheel when you're playing Brick Breaker, which is a bit, essentially kind of like Pong, but it was super addicting for me. I had a little callus on my thumb <laughs> from the jog wheel. <laughs> and then, um, anyways, so the but one thing that I re I really miss about BlackBerry even now yeah. is the keyboard. And the shortcuts in the yes. keyboard. Oh, because you could just hold down a key and, and yeah. jump into something. Or you could press like U and it would take you up to the top of the screen or B and it would take you all the way to the bottom. Yeah. Like there were all these little shortcuts within the – it just made it so easy to use. And that was refreshing because QWERTY keyboards were, didn't really exist uh, or maybe they did a little bit on feature phones, but in comparison to like the Trio, for example, I think the BlackBerry was a lot easier to type on and to use. I mean, it's definitely like a point of contention with it because, the, well, the, the the BlackBerry was um, the phones tended to be a little wider and have a little more real estate, and so um, right. Uh, I mean, that was their that was what they were known for was a great keyboard, and I think um, I, I I was a, a I mean, we'll talk about maybe in a later episode, but I did end up switching to BlackBerry for a little while after um, the Palm st stopped keeping pace and the Trio just became almost intolerable to use. Uh, but we should talk a little bit about their one, their attempts to start to try to um, keep the QWERTY keyboard in a smaller phone factor. And that I think started with the 7100 uh, series where mm -hmm. they introduced mm -hmm. these, um, I don't know sure it was technically sure type at the time, but they, but 
if, if you've, you know, listening, definitely worth Googling, but they would essentially put uh, two letters on each key or sometimes two letters in a number. Yep. And um, yeah, that was a sure type. Yeah, I think is I think that were they yeah. calling it a sure type then? I thought I'm trying to remember if it's that was what they started with the pearl or not. But and I think was the idea yeah, that, that you would predict what letter yes. you. How well did that work? Because I I don't remember it being that great. Okay, so this is um we used to have competitions. <laughs> we would so like because because we were all heavy users, right? So yeah. we would just like line up in a store and like someone would pick a sentence and then everyone had to type it and text it to a specific device and we'd see whose message would come in first. This is <laughs> oh my god, I am reliving these moments yeah. right now. But um, there were certain people who could really fly on these keyboards. Yeah, and yeah, I think the other thing that I think we don't want to forget to mention here is that these did not have cameras. That's right, because that was sort of a selling point at the time. Yeah, because BlackBerry was squarely in the, like if Trio Enterprise. was known as a business person, yeah. Trio was like your real estate agent had a Trio, yeah. right? Yeah. But like your FBI agent had a BlackBerry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Though, though funnily enough, they did offer, Palm did offer a skew of the Trios without a camera. Yep, um, I, and that's I, true. Um, I don't know how well those necessarily sold because I think BlackBerry tended to do much better on the enterprise side. But um, yeah, I, I hadn't forgot, forgot about how the lack of a camera was really a selling point. Um, but the other selling point you wanted to talk about, BBM. BBM. Oh my gosh. I, do you know what I would do for BBM right now? If I could get... If I, <laughs> I, think is, BBM. Is, I think it's still sort of around, isn't it? Did they shut it down? No, it's... I don't know. If you're listening and you know how I can get into some BBM where someone else can actually message me back. BBM stands for BlackBerry Messenger. BlackBerry Messenger, It's nothing weird. It's still around. It's not, it's not an acronym that you would use on Craigslist. Yeah. Um, but it was, you could, so Blackberries each had a pin and they, you could connect via the pin. So it was rich messaging and very similar to like how iMessage works today. Yeah. Um, but, but way ahead of its time, I think. Because you had the ability, you could see when somebody else was texting, you could see whether or not they had read your message, you could send voice notes, um, you could set up private messaging. It did. It was all over data, so yeah. it didn't count against your text lines. Yeah. And it was amazing, and I miss it. And, and I think the genius of it was that, like the um, email server that BlackBerry offered, because everything sort of routed through their servers, it was fast. And um, yes, and reliable, and you could sort of you get receipts. You could see when people were typing. Um, uh, I mean, I didn't really ever use it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, but I remember, um, I, you know, I, I remember being sort of one of those like hidden benefits of being a BlackBerry uh, user, assuming that other people also had BlackBerry, we're on BlackBerry. or a BlackBerry. And and now I, I just looked this up. So BBM, I, and this this squares with what I remember. They're now it's now on on iTunes and um, and Android. What? Yeah, so you can what? you can get your fix. See, this podcast is probably to be worth. BBM. It's worth to be. Uh, <laughs> it, it's totally worth it to do this podcast, right? We're learning. We're both learning things. Uh, the oh my god! Um, I just found yeah. it. <laughs> so the story I heard is that um, that the found uh, the the you know like BlackBerry had the two co CEOs, and um, when they were uh, Jim Balzi was trying to. Uh, uh, one of them, he was trying, one of the guys. He had this plan to save the company, which was basically let's take BBM, let's spin it out into like a make it like a basically like the backbone for uh, 
instant messaging, have mobile instant messaging, have it replace SMS. We'll get he got went to carriers all over the world, got them to buy in. They were gonna um, you know kind of support it and bring in the BlackBerry servers and all this stuff, and put it on like every phone, like Android. You know, presumably iPhone would get support for it too. And um, the board rejected his plan. He quit the company the next day. I think sold all his stock, and uh, that could have been WhatsApp, like easily. Totally. BBM had a loyal following, and it was a great. It was an experience headed, but like so much better than anything else that was out there. That once you were locked into BBM, it kept you yeah. until the iPhone came along. You didn't yeah. switch away from a BlackBerry. And the other thing here is that. Um, this I think the BlackBerry was squarely in this enterprise space, but BBM is what positioned it for consumer adoption. And then, yeah, go ahead. What were you well, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 one of those things where because they were so focused on using BBM to lock people into the devices, they missed that bigger opportunity, which was for BBM to be the messaging service for the world. All yeah. And that, like I said, that ended up becoming WhatsApp. But it is really um, one of these lessons around, uh, you know, kind of stroke stra business strategy where it can be really tough to see the bigger opportunity and to take the risk uh, if it involves sort of sacrificing um, sort of what's right in front of you. Short-term advantage, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll install BBM. We can now, you and I will at least message each other over BBM now. I know, uh, I just downloaded it. Although, <laughs> it, oh yeah, it's successfully installed. Awesome. Oh, there's one other thing I was going to say about BBM, which is um, which is really interesting. And the only other app that I've seen do this, I think WeChat does it. Uh, I haven't used it on WeChat. BBM, you could easily add somebody when you're physically in person right next to them, either via their pin or, or there was a way to do it very, via a BlackBerry Connect, yeah. which is similar to like Snapchat, you know, on the ghost, you can like take a picture of the ghost and add someone. So it also had a virality to it. As long as you were in, unfortunately, if you had the BlackBerry hardware, you could easily add new BBM contacts, yeah. which was kind of cool. I always thought the pin was though, like a little weird. Um, I, I guess it's sort of understand, but um, yeah. Okay, so before we wrap up, I got to talk about the HTC Universal. This was yes. Uh, okay, we I actually hadn't even talked about Windows Mobile on this uh, on this episode at all. But so this was a big phone. It was a kind of a like one of these um, uh, clamshell, but you could flip the screen around and use it almost like a, a like an iPhone frankly like a like a, a, a tablet mode um, so it looked like a mini laptop almost with sort of like a swiveling screen and um, yep it was the first phone at least I believe it was the first phone to have a VGA screen VGA resolution screen so 640 by 480 everything I think below that everything prior to that was lower resolution uh, you know it was resistive so the touchscreen was uh, you still use the stylus but uh, it was sort of like this, it was a phone that made like a statement, right? It was like a big, was, this was not like a phone that you would easily carry in your pocket. Um, but if you wanted sort of like, I think at the time HTC was trying to pull out, like this is why it's called the universal, like something that was big, bold isn't quite the right term for it, but I think um, uh, something that, that you know, was not meant to offer, like you didn't have to necessarily make a lot of sacrifices with it. It had Wi-Fi, uh, like I said, a big QWERTY keyboard, which was kind of only okay to use. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it, it, it was something that I, I don't think it was ever sold in the U.S. I don't think any carrier ever 
offered it um, here in the US. It only sold in sort of limited numbers overseas, but uh, I've got, I was the first person to, to review it. I got um, someone at Microsoft like hooked me up, got me the phone before it was released. I did a, you know, I did a review of it. And uh, after I did it, I got contacted by this guy who was a um, sort of like a broker in phones. And his job was he would hook uh, wrappers up with like really rare phones, um, usually ideally pre-release. Yes. And so. This was a big thing, by the way. I have, I have some right, stories so, about this too. Okay, so go ahead. Um, he contacts me. He says, look, I, I'm, can I give you, can I buy the phone from you? I have a client, um, you know, who really wants, uh, really, really wants this phone. And, I'm, and I said, look, it's a review unit. I have to send it back to Microsoft, which is true. Uh, and I'm not going to, you know, ruin my relationship with them over. And I think he had offered me like 1500 bucks for the phone. And, uh, and so I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't do it. I, I'm, there's no circumstance in which I'm going to do it. Uh, and so, um, but I was like, but who's the, but who's the, you know, and he's like, well, he comes back. He's like, okay, what if I give you 2000? And it's like, it's, you know, it's a rapper. Um, they really, really want it. And I, I'm like, well, who's the rapper? And he says, it's job rule. And, He's like, how about this? How about 2000? And then Ja Rule will shout out and gadget on like his next song. And, and I was like, that is tempting. That would be, that would be good. Now, now looking back, I think Ja, is Ja Rule still in prison? I'm not sure how much I would want Ja Rule um, to have given me a shout out, but uh, it was one of the weirdest things that happened uh, when I was doing, uh, doing that site. Um and, uh, you know, like I said, there's no, there's no way I could have taken, I mean, obviously I would have been stealing the phone if I had sold it. Um, but yeah, yeah, you did, you took the right thing, but I, I am, I am understanding how it was a tough decision for you to make. It was, no, I, I did. I'm not going to lie. Like I thought about it I had, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, con- I, I did consider it, I, you know, wasn't that big of a jaw rule fan. So maybe that, you know, if it had been like Jay-Z or something, I would have been like, oh man. But, you know. I mean, so like if you could have gotten the shout out and then been in the video with Ja Rule and Ashanti, would that have convinced you? Know, you? I, I'm not sure. I mean, those are pretty sweet videos. He was usually on a yacht. Like, <laughs> me, awesome. me on a yacht. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure any. <laughs> yeah, like just partying with the girls. <laughs> uh, me wearing a captain's hat. Um yeah, that I would have taken probably. Uh, wait, so 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 you know about this? There's like a market because it's it's there was like a whole yes. yes. So you know about this market? Yes, because I was also a beta tester at one point, and so it would have three or five smartphones at a time and just be testing. We would test everything, their, all of their functions, and we would report back to our network team and so forth. And there was an underground market for pre-release phones, and also this was like a differentiating like status. Like yeah. if you had if you had a phone before it was out, it was a big deal. Oh yeah. I mean, it was a definitely like, uh, it was definitely a status symbol and, and I, I don't know if it's still as much of a thing because I, I, it's hard. I mean, it's not that it's impossible, but I think, um, you're not getting an iPhone pre-release. I mean, like, you know, for the most part. No. Uh, and, um, no. and then I, I'm not sure there's that many other Android phones that are like, I mean, well, did you see that somebody was selling pixel threes last month? Right. Right. Yeah. So pixel three, like it's still happening now. It still happens. Uh, yep. I, uh, Although what I will 
say is if you're listening and the, and you are involved in this market, <laughs> what do you do with the bugs? Because some of these phones were pre-release were really not functional at the point that they should have been. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I, occasionally I would get my hands on something and it was clear that these were engineering samples and were not ready. And a lot of times they were not the bug, there'd be something so buggy about them that they, you couldn't even update the firmware, right? So it wasn't right. like you buy it and you're like, okay, like it'll it'll get fixed and I'll, I'll get a new version, um, you know, down the line. It's like, now nah, you're stuck. I mean, yep. I remember I got like, I mean, I got occasionally we get hands on a phone that would be, um, you know, that would be uh, I mean, clearly hand assembled. Like that's how early... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of this stuff was, um, that's and cool. You, and you kind of pull it apart and see where it was all glued and everything. <laughs> I have an update on BBM. Okay. Okay. So I have, I have officially installed and set up BBM. I have five contacts. Uh, one of whom is a duplicate contact. So four contacts yeah. that I could chat with. For you, still, compar- you, still had, you still had an account. Uh, apparently. Yeah. But for comparison, I have 3,641 contacts that I can message just from my phone and I have four that I can message through BBM. Are they, do you rec- are these people, you know, um, one of them is somebody that I talk to regularly and the other yeah. three people I have not spoken with for years. So. Yeah. I, I think you should message all of them. Just pretend like nothing's like not a day has passed. I'm just like grieving <laughs> for, my, for my old BBM days, which were so lovely and they're gone. Uh, R.I.P. Well, BBM. We're, we're, yes. We're, we're, <laughs> well, we're going to bring it back. Uh, okay. We should wrap up. I can't believe it's almost been an hour. I know. This was so fun. Um, I Man, we re- it's a joke. We joked about how we could talk about phones, reminisce about phones for an hour, but we really could. We really can. We really can. Um, hours on hours. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for making it all the way through. Uh, and... Um, we are going to continue our, our journey down memory lane with, uh, I think we're going to get to 2006 in the next episode. Yes. And, uh, I have some cool stuff to talk about there. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us, I think we're all both easy to find. I mean, I'm at Peter Rojas on Twitter. I'm Christy Pitts on Twitter. And uh, we will see you next time on Zero G. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.